The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I get sidetracked by conspiracy theories. There's a lot of them in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. If you watch CNN, you'll, re- you'll hear about certain conspiracies uh, on the right in our country. If you watch Fox News, you hear about certain conspiracies on the left in our country. Uh, if you go on the internet, you can spend all of your time on conspiracy theories. And, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's political conspiracies. There's, a, there's voting fraud conspiracies. There's COVID conspiracies. There's COVID vaccine conspiracies. There's, there's all other kinds of conspiracies that you can talk about. I could throw out all kinds of names that you would recognize. Now, I'm not saying there may not be some truth to some of those conspiracies. I don't know. But here's my, this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the greatest conspiracy. And in fact, it's really the only conspiracy that we need to be worried about. I know people that spend their whole day, all of their time, trying to figure out these conspiracy theories that are going on in the world today. They're trying to figure out who's out to get them and who's out to get who and who is planning this and who's planning that. They're having hearings on conspiracies that have occurred in this world. And there are some, I'm not... As I said, there's many out there. There's many out there and some that do affect us. But I've known men and women that get lost in the details of those conspiracies. They get caught up in the conspiracies. They get, and I want to tell you, those conspiracies divide people. People get upset. Think about right now what's going on with COVID. (laughs) You got people who believe we ought to wear masks mad at those who won't. You got those that believe we shouldn't wear masks, mad at those who do. There's all kinds of divisions out there based on all kinds of conspiracy theories that are going on. But that, I, my goal, my hope this morning is that I can turn your minds away from all of these things out there in the world to the one conspiracy that is the most important to remember. And that's the one that began over in Genesis chapter 3. Some, some say, are you a conspiracy theorist? I absolutely am a conspiracy theorist. I believe that since the Garden of Eden, Satan has been conspiring against God and his kingdom and his people and continues to do that today. You know, the, the father and mother of all the conspiracies that are out there in the world today is the devil himself, and it began right here in the Garden of Eden. And that's the one that we, as children of God, need to be concerned about. Not all the others and not getting lost in the details, but we need to know the details of this one and be prepared to be able to deal with him. In chapter 3 and verse 1, we read, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now I want to stop right there because I don't we don't we never ought to major in the evil wickedness of this world. We shouldn't get a PhD in Satan. But we need to know what he's up to. 
We need to know what our enemy is about. And here's the first thing that we find as a part of this conspiracy that he has against God and his people is the first thing he does is he begins to diminish the word of God. Diminishing the word of God is the first step toward uh, being turned and uh, in, in your focus from the things that you ought to be uh, focused upon. Notice what he did first. He first questioned the word of God. Yea, hath God said. Now it's okay to ask what God has said. It's okay to to think about things as a child of God. We ought to say, well, what does God say about this? But this is not the way he asked the question. Satan didn't come in here and say, well, let's, let's find out what God said so we, can, so we can learn from it and we can do it. Satan is questioning what God said so he can twist it and he can cause you problems. Now, you young folks in particular, especially those of you who are in college, we're still blessed to a great extent in our high schools around here, in our lower level education, that we don't have as much focus on trying to turn people away from the word of God as we do in the colleges and universities of this nation. In the colleges and universities of this nation, there is a vast conspiracy, and again, it comes from this one right here, to, uh, uh, to diminish the Word of God, to take the Word of God and to question it and say, well, has God really said, you know, is, is that really what He said? And so they begin to question it. They begin to, they begin to cause you to question it. But I want to encourage you young folks to remember that there's a foundation upon which you must build your life, even when you're in the college uh, halls of colleges and universities when these men with great PhDs try to tell you there is no God and try to tear down your faith and question the word of God remember that you need to build your life upon the word of God but be that as it may the serpent here the devil he came and said yea hath God said he began to question the word of God and then he began to twist the word of God he says Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I preached on it recently, but I just want to remind you this. That is not what God said. God said back in chapter 2 in verse, uh, in verse 16, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now, that's a big difference in it. Now, he said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. But notice the difference. Notice the focus God has versus the focus that the devil tries to put upon it, the spin that he tries to put upon the Word of God. God, picture this. I, I don't know if it happened this way, but it, but it could have. And it, this is, but, but I want you to, I want to, I want to use this, if you'll be charitable toward me, I want to use this to try to explain um, the difference in the focus of God and Satan. It's as if in chapter 2, after, see, see, God took, in verse 15, God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So, so here is God introducing Adam into the garden and giving him the dominion over it and saying, now it's your job to dress and keep it. I can almost see the smile on God's face. God has created this garden. Have you ever, have you, ever you know, I, I planned with, with, with my family when they were younger. Um, you know, we, we, we'd go to Disney World a lot. <laughs> we went a lot, and probably too much, <laughs> but we went a lot. And, um, and I liked to plan the trip and, and, and then call them all together and say, okay, guys, guess what we're fixing to do? 
here it is. And then we'd go down to Disney World. I'm, I don't remember the first time particularly, but I know when the young, the, they were younger and they were first going, you know, we'd walk in the gates and say, here it is, here it is. And they'd be so happy and they'd be excited and they'd start running around and, you know, seeing all the characters. You know, I was proud. I was proud of what I had done because I knew they were going to enjoy it. I knew it was a good thing for them, you know. Other trips that we planned, I just, you know, it, it brought me great satisfaction to successfully pull off one of the trips that we went on, okay. Uh, uh, and, and, and so I want you to think about God in that light. God is the father. He's the father of Adam. He has made this garden. It's better than Disney World, okay. It's so much better than anything man can create. And here he is, he puts him in the garden, he's created him, and now he puts him in the garden. To, he said, this is yours, and it's your job to take care of it, and you're going to, and I can just see him walking around and saying, look at this, Adam, look at all, every tree here, every plant is yours. It's, it's of every tree you may freely eat. It's, this is the, my gift to you, Adam. This is a glorious thing, Adam. It's going to sustain you. It's going to give you a job that you're going to be, you know, you, you, ever, you ever had trouble being fulfilled in your job, you know? Don't, don't we all seek fulfillment in our, you know, I've tried to, boy, I want to be fulfilled in my, you know, sometimes I've enjoyed my job, sometimes I've hated my job, you know? My job has never fulfilled me in the way that, uh, that I want it to be fulfilling. My, my work has never fulfilled me like it should. Adam's work was going to fulfill him. It was his purpose in life, and it was honoring to God. It was going to be pleasing to the Lord, and he was going to be fulfilled by Adam. Here, God is giving him these great, wondrous, beautiful things, a creation that he said was very good. Of every tree you may eat. Here's the apple tree, Adam. Here's the peach tree, Adam. Here's the pear tree. There may be some kinds of fruits that we've never heard of that were in the garden. Here it is, Adam. Hey, you know, what am I, am I going to have to, you don't even have to work for it. There's no, bri what about the briars and the, he didn't even know what they were to ask. There weren't any such things as weeds. Adam, here it is. It's all yours. I can just see God in Adam, you know, and wow, look at all this. Now, Adam, one thing, one thing. There's one tree over there. There's tens of thousands of trees that you have access to. There's just one tree. You don't need to eat of it. That tree of the knowledge of good and don't eat of it. I don't believe Adam had a negative thought about that at the time. I don't think Adam was having any problem with that because Adam saw the glory of what God was giving him. God was giving him all these blessings. And his vision was on the garden and not on the one tree. <clears throat> but notice what Satan did. Remember that picture of the glory and the, the pleasure, the, the wonder of God giving Adam the garden and putting him in charge of it. And you know what the devil did? He began, he began to twist God's word. And he began to change the focus that Adam had. Of course, he's talking to Eve, but we know that Adam ate as well. And he says, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the answer to that is, should have been no. And in fact, um, Eve answered rightly initially. She said in verse 2, The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So bless her sweet little heart. She got it right, right there. She remembered what God said, okay? 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. She was, up to this point, she was right. Now, I don't know if Eve added the next part or if Adam told her this. Because you remember Adam, if you read back in chapter 2, you'll see that Adam was by himself when God told him not to eat of that fruit of that tree. She said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Eve fell into the trap that we can fall into if we're not careful in dealing with the devil. And that's adding to the word of God. She didn't take away from it, but she added to it. She said, neither shall you touch it. Now, what's the big deal? I guess if you don't eat of it, it's better not to touch it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You don't need to be hanging around it. And one of the problems we see with Eve here is apparently she was hanging around that tree. She was in the area of that tree. When there's something we shouldn't, we shouldn't be a part of, we ought to avoid it. We ought to stay away from it. But she said, don't touch it. Now, what's the problem with that? I, I know I've told you this before, but I, I, just, I need to go back over it again as we're at it here. If I told some, one of my children that, that if they you know, smoked marijuana or took some kind of drug, they would die. That wouldn't be true. I mean, they could die if they did something wrong, you know, did it wrong or something. But, but if I told them that, if you smoke it, you'll die, that would be a lie. Now, now that would be a good way to scare them, right? I mean, you say, don't you do this. Don't you, don't you do it. If you touch it, you'll die. If you, if you, if you touch a marijuana cigarette, or if you smoke a marijuana cigarette, you'll die. The problem is when they get out in the world and they see somebody who smokes a marijuana cigarette or touches a marijuana cigarette and they don't die, then they're going to say, well, wait a minute. Mom and Daddy told me I would, but they didn't. Maybe they're lying about everything else, you see. You see, the, we need to be honest with our children. We need to be honest with those around us. We don't need to tell You know, there is, there is pleasure in sin for a season. You know, that first drink of alcohol, that first uh, hit of methamphetamine is no doubt pleasurable. The problem is, as I've told you many times, the world will show you the beginning of a thing and you'll see the beginning of a thing and everybody looks cool who's doing My peers, my friends are doing this. They're all, you know, the, the prodigal son didn't just out of the blue, I don't believe, come up with this idea of I want my money, daddy, and I want to go. He had friends that were pulling him away. He had friends that were out there in the world, and he saw, he saw them having a big old time. He saw them having a big party, and he said, man, I want to be part of that because it looks good. And so he got, his, he got his inheritance, and he went out there with the party, and he began to live it up, and there was pleasure in the sin that he committed, but only for a season. Only for a season. Because, as I said, the world will tell you the beginning, but they won't show you the end of it. They won't show you that man. You know, the story that you've heard the saying before, first the man took a drink, then the bottle took a drink, and then the bottle took the man. See, that's kind of the way it is. Nothing ever, nothing happens uh, overnight. Nobody went to bed last night free of alcohol and woke up this morning addicted to it. Nobody went to bed last night free of drugs and woke up this morning addicted to it. You see, 
It's a step-by-step process. One step will lead to the next step. And the next thing you know, you're so far down the road, you cannot turn around and come back. And those first steps may be pleasurable. The, the prodigal son enjoyed the party, but the problem is that the party always ends. And following the party, there's always a famine. A famine hit the land. And the next thing you know, he's down there in the pigsty. He's sitting there feeding the hogs and he's lusting after the husks that the hogs were being fed. That's a low point to get to for a little Jewish boy. You know, I, we, as you know, we feed, we've got cows, have had cows all of our lives and chickens. And we've, we have to feed them from time to time. Had to feed them hay, had to feed them, um, have to feed them, Sometimes feed is purchased, you know. And, and I'll tell you, I've never one time been interested in eating any of the feed that I have laid out there for those cows. That's just not been, you know, especially some, well, I won't get into details. I, I, I'll just say it this way, and I'll cut this out of the tape before I put it on the Internet because I want people to know. We used to mix it with chicken litter, you know. We used to mix the feed with chicken litter, and we kind of get it, uh, you know, give it some protein and that sort of thing. But that's another thing another thing altogether I sure didn't want that you know I wasn't interested in that and you ever seen what they feed pigs you ever heard of slopping the pigs that's they feed them all kinds of mess that's refuse and trash and you know I've never been interested in eating trash but that young man had gotten so far down in life that he wished he could have had the slop that they were feeding the pigs. That's a low point to get to, and that's a great lesson, young folks and older folks, as to where sin will lead you. You know, the old saying, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Sin will cost you more than you ever meant to pay. You see, and that's where he ended up. But there's pleasure in, you know, it, as I said, I think I said this year not too long ago, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have an eating problem. I wouldn't have a dieting problem. If, 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 if apple pie tasted like Brussels sprouts, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have any problem with desserts. If they tasted like, you know, boiled okra or something like that, I, I could, I'd be fine. I could eat, you know. It's, it, but the problem is it's pleasurable, it tastes good, and it's, 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 it, it tastes good in the eating. But then, especially if you're a diabetic, <laughs> it ends up causing you more problems at the end, you see. She said, we're not to touch it. But she shouldn't have added to the word of God. Of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. He was questioning the word of God. He was changing the word of God to her. And she was adding to the word of God. Now let me just, let me just throw this in for what it's worth. One of the reasons that I strongly encourage all of you to stay away from all the new translations that are out there is because in almost every instance, they are changing the Word of God. One, one example, I've given it to you before, just one example that I'll use. Go to the, 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 the New International Version, the NIV. Go to it sometime, 
and try to find 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7 says this. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. One of the strongest verses underpinning our understanding of the nature of God as a trinity. One of the basic clear statements, the, the clearest in the Bible, that God is, a, is one God who manifests in three persons. And you won't find it in the NIV. You won't find it in hardly any new translation. You know what they're doing? They're changing the Word of God. Don't let the new philosophies overthrow your faith. Don't be led astray by those who say, well, now, God may have said this, but genetics proves this. A science has shown us something different. I know God said that the world was created in six days, but we can go back to carbon dating and we can go back to all these scientific and archaeological discoveries and show that, uh, that, that there's no way that, uh, that the creation account could be true. Beloved, don't believe... You know, <laughs> the problem with that is that those are scoffers who don't understand the changes that have occurred throughout uh, the history. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse, uh, uh, verse 3, he, he, he warns us about that. He says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now here what they're saying is, is that science is, is what we can rely on because it's never changed. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Things have changed since the beginning of the creation. I understand that the Grand Canyon under normal circumstances could only be carved out through millions and even maybe billions of years of, of the trickle of water from the Colorado River. I understand under normal circumstances, if that were to start today, it would take millions of years for that to occur. But what these scoffers don't take into account is that, uh, is that there was at one time a worldwide flood. There was a flood that came in and covered this earth. And I don't know if you noticed all the rain lately. Brother Glendon can attest to this, but in Mama's yard, it's become almost a Grand Canyon right down there, her driveway. <laughs> we had to get Brother Glendon over there to build it up because there was so much rain. And when that, that gully washer, as we call it, comes in, it causes, a, uh, it causes canyons. It causes uh, uh, gullies to be carved out. And can you imagine the strength of a worldwide flood. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. In other words, things have changed since the beginning of time. Don't let them overthrow your faith. Don't let them diminish the word of God. That's what the devil is. That's where the conspiracy started in the Garden of Eden, diminishing the word of God. And also... Another thing you'll see as we continue, as we continue reading here is that he, the, the devil's, uh, this conspiracy of the devil will try to dilute the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Now, by the way, this goes back to what we said just a minute ago, that he is changing the word of God. Here he says, you're not going to die. What did God say? You shall surely die. 
You shall surely die if you eat of the fruit. The devil says you shall not surely die. He's, he's directly attacking the word of God. He's watering down. He's, 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 he's changing the word of God. And he's also trying to dilute the kingdom of God. The word dilute means to water down. And, and that can apply certainly to chemistry and that sort of thing. But it also, if it applies to a belief, if somebody dilutes a belief or a value, they make it weaker and less effective. You know what the devil would do to you in the kingdom of God? He would make the kingdom of God weaker and less effective in your life if you let him. That's what he was trying to do here with Eve. He will make the kingdom of God less effective in your life if you'll let him. He knows he can't get you eternally, but he will try his best to get you temporally or here in time. Notice in verse 5 of Genesis 3. Let's go back to verse 4. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Notice what he does. He begins by trying to bring down the nature of God. He begins to attack the nature of God. He's, he's really not got your best interests at heart. He, he really doesn't love you. He's just trying to be selfish. He's trying to keep you from something that would be pleasurable to you, that you would enjoy, that would be great for you because he's some kind of arbitrary potentate sitting on a throne up in heaven. And you, you can't really trust him. He said, God knows in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be as gods. Now, he was also here appealing to, to her nature. Okay, remember now, Eve and Adam were not perfect, but they were innocent. They didn't have a sin nature. One of the things we need to remember is this, though, that they weren't perfect. If they'd been perfect, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have fallen. One day we'll be perfect. One day we'll be perfect and standing in his sight, and nothing can assail us or change us, okay? But they were just in a state of innocency. And, you know, one of the things about Adam that we need to remember is Adam was the best that man could ever be, even in a state of innocency. You say, well, Adam, we should, maybe we could have had a better representative. You know, Adam was our federal head. He was our, our representative in the Garden of Eden. Maybe we should have had a better representative. God, God provided the perfect representative, the perfect representative for us. He wasn't perfect, but he was the perfect representative for us. He was better than you or me, I can tell you that. Adam didn't have a sin nature. Eve didn't have a sin nature, and yet still the serpent was able to appeal to their pride. He was able to, that tells me something. That tells me that man, even innocent, in innocence, without God, is still nothing. Man in innocence, even, even in innocence, without God, is nothing. He said, you'll be as God's. You'll be something that you haven't been. There, God is trying to keep you from something that otherwise you could enjoy. You know, that's what the devil tells us today. Think about this. Think about, think about the fornication that is promoted out in the world today. Think about the, think about the <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even hardly watch TV anymore. The advertisements are so bad. Now, now. Let's, let's, let's rewind 10 years 
And even then they were bad because every movie, every ad, they're all promoting fornication. They're all promoting. You know, I've told you this before. Back uh, several years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Prince of Tides. Uh, and written by, I think, Pat Conroy, who's a really good writer. But that story was about a man whose sister had problems. He lived out, he was a coach out in the country, uh, and his sister lived in New York City, and she had attempted suicide and was having all kinds of problems. And, and, and so he went to try to help her and went to meet with her psychiatrist. Barbara, Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte started in this. And so, so he goes, he go, and the whole story is about a relationship building between the coach and the psychiatrist. And, you know, both of them are married to other people. And, uh, but here we go. They, they end up having this relationship. And, and, and at the end, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, ruin it for some of y'all here, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You can try to forget it or cut this out of the message if you ever listen to it but uh, so the end of it at the end of the movie at the end of the movie you know the question is 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 she going to leave her husband and is he going to leave his wife and are they going to get together and the whole movie is promoting that you know you you know I, I confess you get into the movie you want that to happen you know it's like, oh man they love each other it's great let's get them maybe they'll leave and they'll get together and have you know so mom and daddy went to that movie and uh they left mama was telling me about it uh, they left and Mama was like, uh, oh, it was so sad. It was so sad that they didn't, because ultimately they didn't get together. He went back to his wife, and she stayed with her husband. And Mama was like, it's so sad. It was really sad, you know. And Daddy was quiet for a minute. He said, I don't know about you. He said, but uh, he said, I'm kind of glad they didn't leave. They didn't break up their homes. <laughs> he said, I'm glad they went back to their, their spouses, you know. And, you know, my, my point about that is this. I praise, thank God for Daddy, you know, having, having the Word of God in his mind, you know. All the rest of us were like, oh, it's so, such a sad. No, it was a happy movie. They went back. They got back together. But the world is promoting something different. See, the world is promoting fornication. The world is promoting. You go to Las Vegas sometime, and you ride down through the streets of Las Vegas, and, and you cannot avoid it. It's on the billboards. And now there's all kinds of fornication being promoted that is not even, was not even contemplated 10 years ago. There's not an advertisement on the TV, hardly, that doesn't promote homosexual relationships or, or some other kind of extramarital affairs. And, and beloved, that's the, the devil... The devil is trying to get us to think that God is keeping something away from us that we ought to have. But you know, the truth of the matter is, he's not trying to keep the physical relationship from you. He's trying to keep the physical relationship for you. Because he says and, and that the only proper way for that to happen is in the confines of marriage. And I can tell you, it is... It is always better to follow the Lord. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. He said in the book of Hebrews, he said, the bed is undefiled. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. He's trying to keep that relationship for us. But the devil would teach us that he's trying to pull us, you know, that he's trying to keep it away. He's trying to keep something from us. Praise God. <laughs> we got the word of God to set that straight. But see, that's what he's doing here. He's saying, God's saying, you know, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like God's if you'll just eat of this fruit. He's trying, he, he's denigrating the nature of God. And God, we're told, is righteous. God is holy. Jeremiah, the 31st chapter and the third verse tells us he loves us. 
with an everlasting love. You remember the vision of Adam and God in the garden and God saying, all oh, these trees are yours, Adam. Look at all that there is out here. How wonderful it is. And Adam, no doubt, just eating it up and loving it. But now the devil has turned the focus and he's got him focused in on the negative. And he's trying to bring God's nature down to a human level. By the way, something else he'll do in diluting the kingdom of God is he'll try to divide us from each other. He'll try to divide us from each other. Where, I want to ask you a question. Where was Adam? Where was Adam here? Now, we're not told where he was. And even if he was nearby, notice that the devil didn't gather them both up together and say, hey, Adam and Eve, let's talk about this. You know what the devil will do? The devil will try to isolate you. The devil will try to separate you from your friends who are children of God, from, your, from the fellowship of your, your, your people, in, from the fellowship of your church. He, he's, he's called a roaring lion in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. You know what a lion does? A lion doesn't go jump in and try to take down the whole herd. A lion gets together with his lion friends and they, they, they come uh, out and try to separate one away from the herd. And when they get that one separated from the herd, they will almost always take it down. Beloved, there's safety in the herd. There's safety in the church. There's safety in the kingdom of God. There's no safety out there. I've told you the story before, but the Daniel Boone story. Daniel Boone was always having to go out and save some farmer that wouldn't come into the fort when the Indians rose in, in battle. And like that, we don't need to be like that lone ranger. We're not the lone ranger, okay? We need one another. We need this. But the devil would divide. Look, the devil, look at today. Look at what he's doing. I already mentioned it this morning. He's trying to divide us. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. We're all divided as a nation, as a people. He's even dividing the churches. He's causing division among the churches over this pandemic and over, over politics in some cases. He's a master divider. He's a master at causing problems. You know, I guess it's just human nature to want to impose what I, you know, it's my human nature to want to impose upon you what I believe. I said it earlier, like the pandemic. You know, there's folks that say you absolutely ought to get the vaccine. There's folks that say you absolutely ought not to get the vaccine. You know what I say? You ought to get the vaccine if you want to, and you ought not if you don't. But you know what the devil's doing? He's trying to make that an issue among our people, among God's people. Beloved, that shouldn't be an issue. God, is, God is, has called us to unity and not division. God, you know, he's divided us politically. There's some, believe, <laughs> I know some, sometimes you can't believe this, there are actually some children of God who are Democrats. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that, of course. There's a lot of children of God that there are all kinds of different political persuasions. But my point is, God has divided us in this nation politically. He's divided us over this pandemic. I say God. The devil has divided us in this nation over politics. The devil has divided us over this pandemic. And God is not pleased with that. He divided them. He divided them. And then as we bring this 
just thought about this grand conspiracy to a close. You know what the ultimate design of the conspiracy is? It is to destroy the people of God. Now, I'm not talking about eternally, because you and I both know that what God has redeemed will stay redeemed throughout eternity. But I'm telling you, the devil can and will destroy you in a temporal sense, here and now, in a timely way. He will destroy us if he can. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil will devour you, beloved, if you will let him. If you separate yourself from the herd, if you get out there in the world and you start uh, twisting and changing and listening to those that twist and change the word of God, the devil is having a heyday and he will devour you. We're told that his very name means destroyer. Over in Revelation, the ninth chapter and the eleventh verse, the word Abaddon in Hebrew and the word Apollyon in Greek which are quoted there, which are used there to name the king of the nether regions. It's, he's, uh, he is a, he is, it literally means destroyer, destroyer. We're told in John the 8th chapter in the 22nd verse that he is, the, he is a liar from the beginning, Jesus said, and the father of lies, and his, his purpose is to destroy us. You see, his design is your death, and his method is deceit. He will deceive you into believing a lie. Remember what he said? You shall not surely die. You shall not surely die. Eve looked at that fruit, she, at that tree. She saw the, it was good for food. The, 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 tree, the fruit of the tree was pleasant to her eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit and she ate it. You know why she did it? Because she believed what the devil was selling. He was selling her a lie. Ye shall not surely die. Beloved, that's, that's the teaching throughout the world today, is it not? The world is teaching us. The devil has, has conspired with all the world and the flesh to, to teach us that what God said is not true. But you know, that's probably the most basic and important lie that's been told in the history of the world. Ye shall not surely die. Isn't it true that that lie is the underpinning for every false teaching, every philosophy, every philosophy of the world, every humanistic way of thinking, that you're not dead in trespasses and in sins? In the, not just in the denominational world. You know, it's theologically speaking, there's only ever been two messages taught in the world. The, the one message is you shall surely die. The other message is you shall not surely die. And if you did surely die, then the only possible uh, truth uh, that, in, as far as salvation is concerned is that if you were to be saved, God had to save you. And you couldn't save yourself. Every other denominational teaching, every other philosophy of men, including atheism and humanism, is founded upon the lie of Satan that ye shall not surely die. That's the foundation of all untruth out there in the world she believed that the devil will deceive you into believing a lie he will deceive you into focusing upon the world remember lot in genesis 13 when it was time to make a choice about which way to go lot looked down upon the plain of jordan he saw that it was well watered it looked like egypt and he decided i'm going to go down there to to this place that looks like egypt this place that looks so good to my eyes the only problem was it was close to a place called sodom and we're told in the 13th chapter there that God, God had the writer to write, 
the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom, and you know the rest of that story. He ultimately was destroyed of the destroyer. In heaven today, according to Peter, he's a righteous man who vexed his righteous soul daily, but he was destroyed in this life. He will deceive you, beloved, into abandoning the kingdom of God. He will deceive you into abandoning the church. You remember what Paul said to Timothy about Demas over in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10? He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know, there's no one ever forsaken the church. There's no one ever left the church. There's no one ever quit coming to the church faithfully that wasn't led astray by something in the world. Something in the world is leading them. Well, I'm too busy. Well, this is my only day. It's my only day to get work done. I got to work six days. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. I've got a ball game. I've got this recreation. I've got that recreation. Maybe today's a good day to go hunting. Today's the best day to go fishing. World. There's nobody ever left the church or, or cooled off to the church that wasn't led that way by the world deceived by the devil. And he's got some strong allies, let me tell you. 1 John 2.16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, he's got the world as a great ally. He's got the perfect playground. The devil has a perfect playground to ply his trade. He has a perfect place to promote his conspiracy. And to successfully do so. Is he not succeeding today in many cases? <laughs> is it not so successful? Is he not the best at the game that you've ever seen? Isn't he good at what he does? What about the flesh? He's got another ally in the flesh. The carnal mind, we're told in Romans 8, 7, is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Galatians 5 and verse 17 says, The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they are at enmity one with another. I tell you, the devil has a friendly part of me to play with. He has a friendly part of my spirit, not my spiritual side, but my fleshly side. My Adamic man is interested in the things that the devil is se selling. The things that the devil is saying appeal to my fleshly nature. So what do we do? Well, so we bring this to a close. 1 John chapter one, uh, 4. How do we deal with him? 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So, so how do you try these spirits? By the word of God. Stay in the word. Keep your nose to the grindstone of studying the word of God. Hereby you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And boy, that covers a lot of territory. That covers a lot of theology right there. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. In other words, try the spirits through the word of God. And if you hear anybody diminishing God, pulling him down, pulling down the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our salvation, you know it's not of God. Try the spirits. Chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Beloved, instead of division, promote love and unity. Instead of buying into the conspiracy theories of this world and letting that cause you to have problems with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Beloved, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Show charity. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and read it again. And know that as much you can learn all knowledge, it says. You can learn all about every single conspiracy theory out there in the world today whatever it may be, but if you don't have love, you are nothing but a, a clanging brass or a tinkling cymbal. Love one another. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. I've been tormented by fear over the past year and a half or so. Man, the things I look around now and see cause me great fear. But you know what? Paul told Timothy, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And ultimately, this is why we cannot fear. Back in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 4. He says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, there's, a, there's an account over in the book of Acts. You say, well, well preacher, this conspiracy, this conspiracy theory you're promoting here and talking about has really got me scared. What, what, what's the, you know, is the devil going to win? Is Satan going to ultimately be successful in what he's doing? In the fourth chapter of Acts, we read about a time when the great potentates of this world, the great powers of this earth, have risen up and come together. Are you talking about a conspiracy? This is the ultimate culmination of this grand conspiracy. In the 26th verse of Acts 4, it says, The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That sounds like an illustrious gathering. That's a summit like no other summit, right? For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod, who was the leader of the Jewish people for the most part. He was the king there in Judah. And Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman representative of the great Roman Empire. With the Gentiles, that's everybody else besides the Jews, and the people of Israel. So the people of the Jews, the Jewish people even, were risen up against him. It says, Of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Praise God. This conspiracy will never succeed. In fact, it's already been defeated. It's already been destroyed. Satan is still running around. He's still trying to convince people that he's in charge. But beloved, there was a time when these great uh, powers of the world, when the great men and women of the world, in fact, all the people of the world that are in Satan's minion and under his dominion came together and it looked like 
It was over for the Lord Jesus Christ. It looked like he had gotten into something he could not handle. According to the world, they wagged their heads. They went by. They mocked him. They said, oh, he said he could save himself. But now let him see. He said he was a son of God. If he really is, let him come down. But he stayed on the cross. And in staying on the cross, he suffered the wrath of God on behalf of his people. And he destroyed the destroyer himself. And he defeated the conspiracy in a way that you and I can never do. So take heart. Don't get sidetracked by the conspiracies of this world. There's really only one conspiracy. It started in the Garden of Eden. And praise God, it was defeated at Calvary. You may still experience the after effects of it, but one day he's coming back and he's going to put an end to every conspiracy that's ever been known. The one that this, all that have based upon this one, he's going to roll up this universe like a scroll he's going to dissolve it with fervent heat and he's going to say go get my children and the tares are going to be cast out and we're going to be taken home to be with him and then it will be true what was said over there in the in romans chapter 8 that we truly will have been glorified praise god for the great defeater of all conspiracies we thank you for listening to today's message for more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.